We might not be walking across that stage with the cameras flashing. They've been waiting on our day. It's been a journey, hasn't it? I wouldn't trade a moment. No, I wouldn't change a moment. I'm who I am because of you. Whether we've known each other our whole life or just a year or two. November. Luke. It was November. Apparently that meant time for Mr. Terrup to get crazy with his math ideas again. I think he was on a mission to put us through his math gauntlet. Dollar word. We're going to figure out the number of blades of grass in the soccer field, he announced one day. What? You're going to make us count grass? Peter yelled. That's nuts! No way! Nick was hollering. Dollar word. How are we supposed to do that? 
Tommy said. I raised my hand. Yes, Luke? You mean we're going to estimate the total number, right? I said. Yes and no, Mr. Terrup said. We'll actually do some calculating to get a reasonable approximation. I was beginning to think that Peter might be right. Yes, it's going to be difficult, but I know we can do it, Mr. Terrup said. Besides, if everything we did were easy, then you wouldn't learn anything. We need to be challenged in order to learn. Mr. Terrup was right about it being a challenge. None of us had any idea how we were going to count blades of grass. But we did. First, we decided we wanted to count 10 centimeter by 10 centimeter squares, which was my suggestion after Mr. Terrup talked to us about sampling and how our government gets population numbers. Then we measured the squares on large pieces of cardboard and cut them out. So we were left with a piece of cardboard that had a 10 centimeter square missing in the middle. That was Mr. Terrup's suggestion. Now it would be easy to toss our piece of cardboard around the field and collect random 10 centimeter samples. So far, so good. Time to head outside. We marched downstairs and out the front doors by the office. Then we stampeded down the sidewalk until the end of the building. The soccer field awaited us on the side of our school. Peter. She was bent over counting blades of grass. It was the perfect opportunity. Mr. T was busy helping someone else, so he wasn't going to see me in action. I gripped the cardboard with my best hold, dipped my knees a little, and let the frisbee fly. It zinged through the air on its mission like a missile from a fighter jet. Bullseye! Ow! Lexi shrieked. My tushy! I almost died of laughter. I dropped to my knees. I laughed so hard. I couldn't stop. I couldn't catch my breath either. Lots of other kids were laughing too. Lexi yelled something about her tushy and me being a jerk. Everyone that missed out on the fun kept asking, what happened, what happened? Everyone except Mr. T. He came right over to make sure Lexi wasn't injured. Lexi was holding her tushy and hopping up and down saying, ow, over and over. She's a total drama queen. Usually a teacher checks the spot that hurts, but I don't think Mr. T was real big on that this time. Peter, that's not funny, Mr. T said to me. Someone could have been injured. You're lucky you didn't hit anyone in the eye. Go sit down. I sat down. It was no big deal. If you'd been there, you'd agree it was super funny. Luke we spread out all over the place, tossing our cardboard squares and counting the blades of grass. Peter, however, was flinging his square like a frisbee, even though Mr. Terrapt had warned us that it wasn't a toy and to be careful throwing it. Maybe if things had turned out differently that day, they would have turned out differently in the end, too. I think what happened on the soccer field just sets us up for disaster later on. So Peter was being his typical sneaky self, flinging his square and counting here and there. But as soon as he spotted Alexia bent over her square, he wound up and sailed a beauty in her direction. It was a perfect delivery, dollar word, that tattooed, dollar word, her fanny. Ow, she screeched. Like, what the heck? What happened? Mr. Terrapt instantly twisted, dollar word, around. 
Like someone just hit me right in my tushy with their square, Alexia cried. The old buttocks again, huh? Mr. Terrapt said. You okay? Yes, Alexia said. Mr. Terrapt turned and looked out at us. We were laughing our heads off, and I swear I saw him smile as he shook his head at the whole scene. Peter, come over here, please, he said. Why me? Peter complained. Because we all know how much you like the buttocks area, don't we? Classic Mr. Terrapt. Instead of blowing up, he was funny about it, but in a serious way. He sat Peter out for the rest of the activity and had a talk with him. Peter didn't pretend to be innocent. But, like I said, I think this set us up for later. The whole thing seemed funny. No one got hurt. Peter sat out. That was it. Once we finished tossing and counting, we headed inside, where we learned how to average all our data. Then we took our average number and used it to predict the soccer field total by figuring out how many of our squares could fit inside the field. The number of blades of grass in our soccer field equals 77,537,412. This isn't an exact answer, of course, but it is an accurate estimate based on all our calculations. Phew! I learned so much during that project. It wasn't the stupid easy stuff I was used to getting from my teachers, that's for sure. We were math wizards. Dollar word. Jessica. Act 3, Scene 1. Things weren't going well. I had betrayed Alexia by being nice to Danielle, thinking that this was what Belle Teal would have done. And then Danielle suddenly turned on me. Without warning. I knew Alexia was behind it. I was alone, except for the friends I had in my books, like Belle and Anna. In November, Mr. Terrapt introduced us to a book that the whole class would be reading, The Summer of the Swans by Betsy Byers. I had never read this one, or anything by Miss Byers for that matter. This book won the Newbery Medal back in 1971, Mr. Terrapt said. He held the book up. It's not full of action like you guys tend to think of action, but it is a beautifully written book that's going to give us an awful lot to think about, learn from, and maybe even change because of. I straightened up. I was excited. Peter moaned. As for Alexia, well, she was somewhere in La La Land. The boys made faces and the girls exchanged glances. Then Mr. Terrapt went a step further. We're not just going to read this book, he said. We're going to do an activity with it. An ongoing activity. More like an experience. Now even Alexia was listening, back from outer space. What kind of activity? Peter demanded. Not some sort of stupid book project, I hope. I hate those. No, no project. I don't really like those things either, Mr. Terrapt said. What did he have in mind, I wondered. You're going to make us dress up as a character, aren't you? Alexia said. Oh, I love doing that. Get real, Peter said. Will you guys be quiet and let Mr. Terrapt finish? Jeffrey said. That worked. No more interruptions, and Mr. Terrapt continued. I want you guys to think about this book. In the story, there's a boy with Down syndrome. That's a mental disorder. Named Charlie 
and his older sister, not much older than you guys, named Sarah. They have a pretty special relationship. That's what I want all of you to think about. Mr. Terrup stopped for a second, yet somehow we stayed quiet. He continued, So what you're going to do is visit our collaborative classroom downstairs over the next few weeks. You'll go in groups, in the mornings and the afternoons, and simply spend time with these children doing what it is that they do. Mr. Terrupt? I raised my hand. What exactly is the collaborative classroom? Still being relatively new to the school, I didn't know. It's where the retards go, Peter said. Alexia laughed. I hope you'll answer that question a little differently after this experience, Peter, Mr. Terrupt said, his tone very serious. Peter didn't say another word. It's a classroom for children with a range of special needs, Jessica. Mr. Terrupt continued. Some of you are probably a little nervous or even scared. That's why you'll go in groups. I hope you'll feel different afterward, too. Act 3, Scene 2 My group consisted of Anna and Jeffrey. I still hadn't quite figured Jeffrey out. On the other hand, I'd been eating lunch with Anna ever since being ostracized by Alexia and her clan. Danielle was back in. I was out. But I didn't want back in. I much preferred my time with Anna. She's quiet, but she's a lot smarter than everyone thinks. She's the only girl smart enough to stay out of Alexia's nonsense. Her mom's advice, she told me. We haven't talked about her mom or any of the stuff I learned from Danielle, and I haven't told her anything about me either. For now, we've kept our secrets, and that's okay. I like Anna. She'd make a great friend to a character in a book, or in one of Dad's plays. I know she's going to be a great friend of mine. We were very quiet on our first trip downstairs. Not one of us uttered a single sound. My hands longed to hold a book, but I hadn't brought one, so I bit at my fingernails and cuticles instead. It's funny how when you're anxious to get somewhere, the journey seems to take forever, and when you're not too anxious, the journey is over in no time. My journey from California lasted about as long as a ride on the Viper roller coaster, and our journey to the collaborative classroom took no time at all, either. When we arrived, it was clear the teacher was expecting us. Hi, guys, she said. Welcome to our collaborative classroom. I'm Miss Kelsey. We introduced ourselves, and then she let us inside. This is Joey. Miss Kelsey pointed to a little boy with boogers all over his face. Can you say hi to our friends, Joey? Miss Kelsey asked. Joey waved in our direction. A gigantic smile stretched across his face. And this is James over here, Miss Kelsey said, pointing to a different boy. James looked pretty normal to me. He didn't say hi to us, though. He didn't even look at us. This is Emily over here. The little girl Miss Kelsey pointed to was very cute. She had drool all over her face and hands and arms, and she moaned a lot. A different teacher used sign language as she tried to communicate with Emily. The teacher struggled to maintain eye contact with her. She told Emily to say hi. That's Mrs. Warner helping Emily right now. Emily tried to say hi to us, but I could tell she wasn't particularly good at talking. There were a few other children in the room, 
and Miss Kelsey eventually introduced us to all of them. I became distracted at this point because Jeffrey had walked over to Joey and started playing the game Memory with him. I couldn't believe it. I heard him say, That's a great job, Joey. You're really smart. And Joey smiled. Anna and I were on our way out with Miss Kelsey and James and Emily to help them do their jobs. Before we left the room, I saw Joey giving Jeffrey a big hug. Act 3, Scene 3 Jobs turned out to be sorting the plastic forks, spoons, straws, and napkins for the cafeteria. Miss Kelsey poured the utensils on the table, and James said, 712. I looked at Anna, puzzled. What do you mean, James? I asked. 712, he said again, looking down at the table. Does he always say 712? I asked. I figured he was yelling out random numbers. No, James is telling us that there are 712 utensils on the table, Miss Kelsey said. 712 utensils on the table, James repeated, this time looking at Anna and me and swaying a little as he stood. Great job, James! Miss Kelsey sounded so excited. You looked at our friends when you said that. Miss Kelsey, do you mean James is right? Anna asked. Are there really 712? Is it the same amount every day or something? Well, I haven't actually counted them to double-check, and no, it's not always 712. But James has never been wrong before, Miss Kelsey said. Anna and I exchanged astonished looks. I was confused. James had done this amazing counting, but Miss Kelsey seemed more excited that he had looked at me. I wanted to ask questions, but decided to wait. I didn't know if asking was appropriate. We finished up the jobs and walked back to get Jeffrey. Act 3, Scene 4 Jeffrey was still playing with Joey, as well as a couple of other kids now. He was helping them paint. Jeffrey, I said. He looked up. We have to go back now. Oh, okay. His shoulders slumped. He turned to the kids. I've got to go, guys. I'll be back soon. Then it was hug time again. We thanked Miss Kelsey and headed back upstairs. We didn't talk on the way through the halls. I think we each had too many thoughts in our brains. By the time we reached our classroom, Jeffrey was grumpy Jeffrey again. Our very own Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I thought. Jeffrey Peter called them retards, and Alexia laughed like it was funny or something. I should have just punched them then. It's a good thing they weren't in my group. I went downstairs with Jessica and Anna. They seemed a little scared, but I didn't say anything. We walked into Miss Kelsey's class and met the kids. They were great. Joey was full of love. All he wanted to do was play and hug me. He didn't get upset about anything not even winning or losing when we played games. James was reading this big book when we first walked in. I could tell he was real smart. I figured he was autistic right away, because he didn't look at us or say a word. And little Emily was so cute. She needed lots of help, but who wouldn't want to help her? They reminded me of Michael. Just like the collaborative kids, Michael had the power to make you feel really good whenever you were with him.
Love poured from him. I never told anyone about Michael, and wasn't gonna, but Jessica knew something was up. She's pretty smart. She notices things. After we visited the collaborative classroom a few times, she came up to me at recess one day. I was sitting at the edge of the field, out where no one else ever comes. I was looking through my football cards, putting them in piles by position. You have a secret, don't you, Jeffrey? She said to me as she sat down. What are you talking about? I said. Who do you know with special needs? I kept sorting my cards. I tried to ignore her. I wasn't going to tell her anything. Then she moved closer. I've got a secret no one knows about, too. No one. Not anyone at this school, she said. So why would you tell me? I asked, looking at her this time. I was reading this book, Ida B., and in it the girl finally talks a little about her secret, and it helps her out. You're always reading, I said. The characters help me understand and think about things, she said. They help me know what to do. QBs. Where was that pile? Is that why you handle Alexia differently than any of the other girls? I said. I guess so. Well, you can tell me your secret. I'm listening. Can I look at some of those cards while I talk? She reached for my running backs pile. No. I pushed her hand away. Nobody ever touches my cards. She was quiet. I might have scared her a little. Sorry, I said. I'll just hold my book then. She was quiet for a minute. I waited, and she took a big breath. My dad didn't come to Connecticut with us, she said. He directs plays and found a girlfriend at his work, a beautiful actress from one of his productions. My mom decided we needed to get away from California and my father, so here we are. I kept sorting my cards, but I was listening, and Jessica knew I was. After a few seconds, she kept talking. She had more to get off her chest. I didn't want to come, but my mom told me I had no choice. Boy, was I ever angry with her. Angry like I've never been before. I figured my dad was dumping her, not me. So why did I have to leave too? Silly, right? I could never live without my mom. I stayed busy with my cards because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't want to ruin it for Jessica. She had a lot to tell, so I stayed quiet. What I didn't know at the time was that my dad wasn't only dumping my mom, he was dumping me, too. The last time I talked to him was back in the beginning of the school year. He phoned to talk to me, but he hasn't called since. I knew what it was like to have a parent that didn't talk to you. I had, too. But I didn't know what to say, so I said nothing. Then, recess ended. I was pretty scared when Mr. Tarrapt first told us about going to the collaborative classroom. I didn't know those kids, only that they were gross and messy. But I didn't complain. I was happy when I found out Jessica was in my group. She and I have been eating lunch together. She's always reading and she's smart, but she doesn't act like a know-it-all. 
She tells me about her books if I ask, without giving away too much of the story. I wasn't expecting or looking for a special friend, but Jessica showed up this year all the way from California, and I like her a lot. I'd like to ask her over to my house, but no one has ever come over before. I'm not sure what Mom would think. I'll have to think about it some more. Jeffrey was in our group, too. All I know about him is that he always seems mad at everyone. That wasn't how it turned out, though. Jeffrey was nice with the kids, really nice. And I didn't feel scared because Miss Kelsey and Jessica were with me. Miss Kelsey knew I was nervous, and she helped me get used to everything a little at a time. I noticed she didn't wear a wedding ring. Mr. Terrapt had a lot of options. Little Emily was so cute. I didn't want to touch her hands because she always had them in her mouth and had slobbery spit all over them. But Miss Kelsey gave us this handkerchief to wipe her up with every once in a while, and then it was okay to touch her. I held her hand on the way to do jobs and on the way back. She smiled at me, and then I felt like I was going to cry. I hadn't expected that. One day, after everybody had gone to visit the collaborative classroom at least once, Mr. Terrapt decided we needed to discuss our group experiences. Mr. Terrapt, I said, before we got into a serious discussion, did you know that Miss Kelsey doesn't wear a wedding ring? Is that so? Yes, and neither does Miss Newberry from across the hall. I did know that, but thanks for those observations, Anna. Then Peter started in. Ooh, Terrapt and Newberry sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Okay, Peter. Uh-huh. Mr. Terrapt held up his hands. Enough of the matchmaking, though I appreciate your looking out for me, Anna. Now, how about sharing your experiences? I wanted to tell Mr. Terrapt that my mom didn't have a wedding ring, but he'd moved on. Jessica was the first to speak up. Mr. Terrapt, why is James in that room? He seems really smart. Yeah, Peter said. He knew how many forks and stuff were on the table without even counting them. You should do some math with him, Luke. Not exactly a retard then, huh, Peter? Mr. Terrapt said. No. Peter's voice lowered, and so did his head. He's autistic, Jeffrey said. No one said anything, probably because we were all so shocked that Jeffrey had spoken at all, and because we didn't know what he meant. James has some things that he's really into, and he knows everything about them. Jeffrey went on. A lot of autistic people have a special talent. James is great with numbers, but he has his problems, too. Hey, we should have had him tell us how many blades of grass were in the soccer field, Peter said. Yeah, and like, then I never would have got hit in the tushy, Lexi told him. Peter grinned. But that was the best part. All right, all right, you two. That's enough, Mr. Terrapt said. How do you know all that stuff, Jeffrey? I said, even before I knew I was asking the question. I felt instantly bad. Jeffrey wasn't looking for extra attention. Jeffrey didn't answer. He was quiet again. Danielle. Lexi was in my group going to the collaborative kids. Part of me was happy about that. Part of me wasn't. Things were a little confusing. 
Every time we went to the collaborative classroom, and every time we came back, Lexi would talk bad about Jessica, even Anna sometimes. Don't you think Anna belongs in this room? She's, like, so stupid, Lexi said one day. Even if I wasn't supposed to be friends with Anna, I knew she wasn't stupid. I knew because she was my plant partner, and she helped me a lot during that unit. Plus, Anna was the only girl not involved in Lexi's schemes, which made her brave, too. Like, Jessica should just stay down here. She doesn't have any normal friends, Lexi said. The weirdest thing of all was that Lexi was really nice to the boys and girls in the collaborative classroom. Joey loved her. Okay, Joey loved everyone, but he always smiled and hugged Lexi. And she was really patient with Emily, too. Seeing Lexi like that helped me feel more comfortable in the room, and I had a good time with the kids, especially James. Jeffrey told us that James had certain things he was really into, and one of them was farms. His brain was crammed with information about tractors and machines and cows and milking. So I brought in a bunch of pictures from home, and James went nuts. He spouted off facts nonstop as he looked at each picture. Utters. These are the cow's udders. Clean her off and use teat dip. Next picture. Hay. Find it in bales or rolls. It's hard work to hay. Throw the bale off the wagon and put it on the elevator. Stack the bales in the hayloft. Next picture. John Deere tractor. Classic green and yellow. Lots of horsepower. James talked more to himself than anyone else, but that was okay. His mind was racing. When our time was up, I tried to take the pictures, and he started screaming. Really screaming. Not words. Just noise. Really loud noise. It scared me. I let go of the pictures, and Mrs. Warner came right over. I got out of the way. He can keep them, I said. That's very nice of you, sweetie. Mrs. Warner said. James, can you say thank you to your friend? Ah! James yelled and struggled to free his body from Mrs. Warner. James has a hard time knowing when time is up and switching to another activity, she said. I felt bad for James, watching him have this meltdown. It's okay, I said. You can keep the pictures, James. Bye. More yelling and crying and screaming. I hoped he would calm down soon, but I had to leave. I wanted to go. I didn't like seeing that. The whole situation upset me, and I think that was what gave me the courage to say something. We had just gone out into the hall when Lexi started right in. Like, what a weirdo. We better fix him up with Jessica. She's the weirdest one in our class. Just stop it, I exploded. Why do you always have to be so mean? You're nice in the room with them. Why do you have to be mean now? Fighting back tears, I turned and ran down the hall. He likes cows, Lexi yelled after me. Maybe he should date a cow like you then. Hot tears streamed down my cheeks. I ran upstairs and into our bathroom. Jessica was there. Are you okay? She asked as I came through the door, crying. Here was my true friend. I knew it now. I'm sorry I've been mean to you, Jessica. I won't do it again. She walked over to me and we hugged. I felt better. Dear God, it's Danielle. 
I know now that Jessica is my real friend. I pray that you can help Alexia not be so mean. And I pray for James. He was awful upset today. Please help him feel better and learn to handle when time is up. Thanks. Amen. Alexia Like, Peter knew what he was doing out there in that soccer field, hitting me with that frisbee. So, like, I was constantly reminding him that he had killed our plant. I told you so, I kept telling him. Yesterday, he told me to stop annoying him. Peter's always picking on me. I bet it's because he likes me. Like, all the boys think I'm pretty. They like my fancy clothes and sparkly lip gloss. They sure don't look at Danielle. Like, she got so upset with me, she's never yelled at me before. Must be she's getting braver as she gets fatter. I'll have to fix things with her again. I do like going to the collaborative classroom. I don't have to worry about things down there. The kids in that room love you no matter what. It's nice. Teach had a good idea with that one. Joey likes my feather boas. I always wear them to his class so he can see them. Like, I think I'm going to ask if I can put some lip gloss on Emily. I think maybe she'll like it. Like, every girl should try some lip gloss. December. Peter. Last month, Mr. T told us we had to read some stupid book and go spend time with the retards. That was what I thought at first, anyways. That was what I had always thought. The collaborative classroom was where the retards went to school. I guess it was James who made me change my mind. I mean, the Summer of the Swans was okay. Sort of. But the collaborative classroom wasn't what I thought at all. The kids were actually pretty cool, especially James. If something spilled on the floor, or if there was a bunch of objects spread out on the table, he could tell you how many there were just by looking at them. I mean it. He could tell you immediately. No counting required, no matter how many there were, 312 forks or 813 Legos. He always got it right. And James was kind of cool to hang out with. He gave me low fives. Not high fives, because eye contact was tough for him. And we played games. I liked going to see him. So I liked Mr. T's next idea. He never ran out of ideas. Okay, guys, here's the deal, he told us in December. We're going to have a holiday party like every other class, but it's going to be different. Of course, I blurted out. That's no surprise. I do that sometimes, open my mouth before thinking. A lot of times, actually. Everybody, even Mr. T, cracked a smile, because I was right. You'll form small groups and work to create a center focused on a certain holiday. It might be Christmas, Ramadan, Kwanzaa, or Hanukkah. Mr. T kept going with the directions, but I didn't catch most of it. I was thinking. Then I did that blurt out thing again. Mr. T, can we invite James and his friends to our party? Everyone was quiet and looked at me. Then Jessica said, That's a great idea. And the rest of the class agreed. Mr. T had a smile stretched across his face. He just nodded, and I thought I saw him wipe out his eyes. I don't know why he did that, though. Jessica Act 4, Scene 1 I chose Ramadan as my holiday. I wanted to research something I knew very little about. 
I ended up in a group with Anna, Danielle, Jeffrey, and Alexia. Alexia wanted to be with Katie, Wendy, Natalie, and Heather, but Mr. Terrap didn't go for that. If he was looking for trouble, he got it. Our task was clear. When Mr. Terrap announced the project, he said, Your centers will need to include a research component, a game, an arts and crafts activity, and food. Your center will need to operate all by itself, because you'll be visiting the other centers when people come to visit yours. My group started talking about who could do what, but Alexia didn't let that go on too long. Like, you need to do the research, Jessica. Because, like, you're the smartest. Anna's too stupid to read that stuff. Anna stared at the floor. She used to do a lot of that, but not as much these days. It wasn't just her head that went down this time. Her entire body sagged after Alexia's nasty comment. Alexia looked at Jeffrey next, but she didn't have the nerve to say anything. Then she smiled at me and Danielle. She got nothing in return from me, but I could see Danielle half-smiling. Jeffrey and I collaborated on the research, while Anna and Danielle were in charge of designing the arts and crafts activity. I wanted to work with Jeffrey. I had shared my secret with him, and he needed another chance to share his with me. Anna and Danielle had done fine together with the plants, so I knew they'd work well together this time. Plus, I hoped Danielle would become friends with Anna despite her grandmother's warnings. Alexia named herself as our group manager. According to her, she was responsible for overseeing all of our work, or as she put it, like, I'll just watch and make sure everybody is doing what they're supposed to do. I'll be, like, our manager. I think she meant boss. We went along with Alexia's grand plan because it was easier not to have her involved in our tasks. But that wasn't good enough for Alexia. No, she tried her best to get everyone mad at each other. That's what she was all about. Act 4, Scene 2 One day during project time, I was meeting with Jeffrey and Anna, discussing how to put our center together. Danielle was nearby organizing the arts and crafts materials that she and Anna had been working tirelessly to create. Then Alexia made her move. Like, don't you guys think Danielle should be in charge of the food? Alexia said loud enough for Danielle to hear. I braced myself for what was coming next. I mean, just look at her. Like, she's so fat, she must be good with food. Danielle hurried out of the room. None of us said or did anything. It was as if we thought pretending nothing had happened would make everything better. It didn't. My turn to be hurt came next. Alexia didn't spare me. Act 4, Scene 3 Jeffrey and I decided that making a trivia game about Ramadan was the perfect way for people to learn about our holiday and what we'd researched. It took loads of work. We had just finished writing all our research as questions on the trivia cards. Enter Alexia. She must have just come from the bathroom. She wore fresh, shiny lip gloss and chewed on a new piece of gum. She paraded over to us with an exaggerated hip motion in her jean skirt and zebra tights, bent down, and grabbed some of the trivia cards. She looked them over, but I don't think she read any of them. She snapped her gum that she wasn't supposed to have. Like, nobody's going to understand these questions. She stared right at me. Nobody ever understands you, not with all your stuck-up words. Like, 
You just want to make everyone else feel stupid. You think you're so smart. She flicked the card at me. That wasn't true. I didn't try to do that. Act 4, Scene 4 Enter Mr. Tarrapt. Alexia. I looked up. I didn't even know he was there. Alexia didn't either. She spun around, alarmed. I think it's time for you to follow me. He escorted her out of the room. They were gone for a while. Act 4, Scene 5 Enter Mr. Tarrapt, without Alexia. Where was she? I need to talk to the four of you now, he said, looking at Jeffrey, Danielle, Anna, and me. We sat down in our project area. I've watched Alexia be unpleasant to all of you. I hoped that one of you was going to stand up to her and tell her to stop. You didn't. I looked down. I knew I should have done something. I wasn't strong like the friends in my books. If you let people get away with being mean, they're going to keep being mean. You need to stick up for each other. Even Alexia isn't tough enough to make fun of you. Not if all four of you stick together. I could feel Mr. Terrup's eyes on me. He leaned forward, trying to peer up into my face. He tried to make eye contact with each of us. We all stared at the floor. You should be disappointed, he said. You should stand by each other. That's what being friends is all about. Still, we sat quiet. Anna wiped her eyes. So did Danielle. Don't sit and pout, Mr. Terrap said. That won't help anything. You need to keep working. Learn from this and don't make the same mistake again. Exit, Mr. Terrapt. Act 4, Scene 6 What was Jeffrey thinking, I wondered. What were Danielle and Anna feeling? I'm never talking to Alexia again, Danielle said. Me either, Anna added. That's no better, I said. We don't have to be friends with her, but we can't shut her out. We have to be bigger people. I looked down again. I felt as disappointed in myself as Mr. Terrup did in all of us. I wasn't brave enough. Luke. Our bathroom is positioned directly across the hall from our classroom. Who cares, right? I'd never thought anything of it until the day I felt trapped out there. I saw the shakedown, dollar word, all compliments of Peter. I was in the classroom working on my holiday center. All my materials were spread out on the floor, and I was busy calculating the proper dimensions for my game board. Mr. Terrapt was on the other side of the room checking in with a different group. I didn't notice Peter. I stretched out on my belly and worked the math. The soles of my sneaks pointed up, a great invitation for mess around Peter. I never felt a thing. He's definitely sneaky. I sometimes wonder what's the likelihood, dollar word, Peter will grow up to be a world-famous thief. I had no clue anything was even happening until I heard the giggling and Peter said, Hey, Luke, what kind of sneaks are those? Elmer's? I popped my head up. What are you talking about? Better be careful. If you try to go anywhere in those, you might get stuck. I looked back at my feet. Mess around Peter had struck. 
The bottoms of my sneakers were completely covered in Elmer's glue. You jerk, I said, without any real authority. Truth is, I didn't really care. It wasn't worth getting upset over. Besides, I'm sort of used to Peter's antics. I thought they were always harmless. I untied my shoes and placed them next to me, bottoms up, of course, until I finished my math. Peter's victory celebration was cut short by my easy solution. Maybe I don't get upset with Peter because I know I'll always outwit him. This drives him nuts, and I love it. Once I finished my calculations, I grabbed my sneakers and headed to the bathroom. Mr. Terrupt was still busy with a different group, so he didn't see any of Peter's shenanigans or me leaving the classroom. I held my shoes under the sink and washed off the glue. Then I wiped the soles dry with a paper towel and put my sneakers back on. I pushed the bathroom door open and quickly jumped back inside. I was trapped. Mr. Terrupt was having a conference with someone out in the hall. I pushed the door open just a crack to see who it was. You've done it your way, he said. Mr. Terrupt had his back to me. He was leaning forward, talking to the person against the wall. Now you'll do it my way. He straightened up and folded his arms. He meant business. And that was when I saw who it was. Black and purple streaks covered her cheeks, a combination of her makeup and tears. Alexia, crying. I had never seen or heard of Alexia crying before. I like you, Lexi. I want some of your classmates to like you, too. I'm trying to help. I want you to be friendlier. Dollar word. I will not tolerate your meanness anymore. Wow, was this really going to work? Go into the bathroom and wash your face. Come back when you're ready. Is there anything you want to say before I go back in? Alexia stormed past Mr. Terrapt without looking at him and without saying a word. Mr. Terrapt let out a big sigh and shook his head. Then he walked back into the classroom. I wonder what he was thinking. I decided not to say anything about my sneakers. It didn't seem important. Mr. Terrapt had more serious matters on his plate, like discipline, dollar word. I waited a few minutes before following Mr. Terrapt into the classroom. I didn't want it to seem obvious that I'd been eavesdropping, but I was eager to tell somebody about what I had just seen. That's why I think I walked into the classroom a little rushed and wasn't really paying attention. Even if I had been, it probably would have happened. I'd barely walked through the door before I stepped in a puddle of water. My feet went up and my arms flew out. I flailed like an ostrich trying to catch its balance. Somehow I managed to stay upright after sliding across the linoleum floor to the carpet. Mr. Terrupt was having a serious conversation with Jessica, Danielle, Jeffrey, and Anna, so he didn't see any of this. But Peter, Ben, Nick, and some of the other guys rolled around in hysterics. I knew what they had done, or should I say what Peter had done. He likes to put his thumb over the opening of the drinking fountain, dollar word, and push the button. It's another one of his infamous stunts. This one makes the water shoot all the way to the door. That was how the puddle miraculously appeared on the floor. Whether Peter meant to have the water on the floor, or if it just ended up there after he sprayed someone else, I don't know. Either way, it doesn't matter. 
I didn't have time to do anything about it, because someone else came through the door just after me. She must have been making her rounds, going from class to class, just to visit for a few minutes. Today was her unlucky day. Mrs. Williams took one step into our classroom and hit the water. I felt sorry for her. She was wearing a navy blue suit, a jacket and skirt, with high heels. She wasn't able to keep her balance. Her foot shot way out to the side as soon as it touched the puddle. I thought she was going to do a split, but then her other foot touched the water and slid forward. Mrs. Williams fell backward with her arms grabbing empty air. She landed smack on her back, right in the water, with her legs stuck in the air. That's when I saw my principal's underwear. I couldn't believe it. I knew I shouldn't keep staring, but I couldn't look away. We all gawked at her multicolored flower underwear. And that's not the best of it. Or the worst of it, if you're Mrs. Williams. Her underwear was a bit discombobulated. In other words, she had a wedgie. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget it, not as long as I live. I swear it. It was the day I saw my principal's underwear and more. Mr. Terrapt rushed over to help her. The rest of us fought to keep from laughing. It was our principal, after all. Even Peter wasn't snickering. He actually looked nervous. Mrs. Williams, are you okay? Mr. Terrapt said, helping her to her feet. Peter, get some towels to wipe this water up. Why did he pick Peter? Because he knew Peter's antics led to the water being on the floor. I'm sure it was his way of letting Peter know he knew. I'm okay, Mrs. Williams said, brushing herself off and smoothing out her clothes. Sorry for the interruption. She turned and left. How embarrassing. As soon as the door closed behind her, the laughter and whispers started. Clearly, this can't happen again, Mr. Terrapt said. We're lucky Mrs. Williams didn't get hurt, or that someone else didn't either. I expect we won't have water pooled on the floor like that again. Mr. Terrapt looked directly at Peter after saying this. Yep. He knew. He shook his head, then walked over to his desk. I thought for sure this event would be unequaled, dollar word, by any other for the rest of the year. Little did I know that something much bigger was coming our way. Alexia. Teach was like, Alexia, I think it's time for you to follow me. I went into the hall with him. He closed the door behind us. Teachers had done this stuff with me before. It was like, no big deal. I didn't even give Teach a chance. They're being so mean to me, I blurted out. They won't let me do anything. Jessica thinks, like, she's the boss. But this is where Teach was different again. Wrong, he said. Stop. But, he put both hands up. Just stop, he said. I was quiet. He looked right at me. You're lying, and I don't like liars, he said. You're being mean, and I don't like mean people. I felt real tears coming. I didn't want to cry, not for real. I squeezed my teeth together and scrunched my eyes. I held my purse hard with both hands. You're acting like the meanest girl I've ever seen, 
he said. I couldn't help it. The tears came. I was really upset. I looked down at the floor. I'm not being unreasonable, Lexi. I was like, yes, you are, but I didn't say anything. I'm telling you the truth, and sometimes the truth can hurt. I kept my head down. I pulled a tissue from my purse and wiped my eyes. He was being a bully. I know you're not mean deep down inside. Teach went on. So stop acting like you are. Miss Kelsey has told me some amazing things about you in her room. He didn't get it. Nobody was going to be my friend. I know, because that's how it was before. Kids made fun of me because of my clothes, because of how I talked. Leopard Lexi and Lexi-like, they called me. And then, one day in third grade, I attacked back. I yelled at some girl like mom and dad yelled at each other. And after that, no one wanted to be friends with her. It didn't matter that what I said was a lie. They ditched her and became my friends instead. Just like that, I became the leader. All of a sudden, I was getting all kinds of attention, unlike at home. Mom was around, but usually too upset over Dad, because he was never around, to worry about me. And then last year, she, like, hit her limit and threw Dad out of the house. Mom told me then, Alexia, don't let people push you around like your father did to us. You take charge and fight back. So there's no way I'm going back to being nice. Nobody's going to make fun of me again. I don't remember anything else Mr. Terrap said. I was too mad to listen. I hate you, Mr. Terrap. Jeffrey. Did it help? I asked Jessica one day in our Ramadan group. We were just doing some research on the computer. What? she asked. Did Talon help? Like Ida B? I think it helped a little, she said. I stared at the computer. I'm listening, she said. You won't tell anyone, I said. I won't tell, she said. Promise, because nobody knows any of this. I just moved here last year, halfway through the school year, and nobody knows anything about me. I won't tell, she said again. I'm not sure why I believed her, but for the first time ever, I told someone my secret. My brother's name was Michael. The football cards were his. He was older than me. He had Down syndrome and leukemia and was real sick. So my parents had me in order to save him. I could feel Jessica looking at me after telling her that last part, but I kept staring at the computer. They gave Michael my stem cells, special cells that can turn into anything else in your body, hoping that they would become what Michael needed. It worked for a while, but then he got sick again. He was in and out of the hospital a lot, so that's how I learned about kids with special needs. I stopped. The computer was quiet. Jessica hadn't pushed anything on the keyboard. She was listening. Then the summer before fourth grade, I gave my bone marrow to Michael. It was his last chance. Everything else had failed. I stopped again. My throat was tightening around the lump in it. It was going to be hard to tell the rest. What happened? Jessica said.
It worked, but not fast enough. Michael got sick before his body could fight the cancer off. I didn't save him. The screensaver bounced around. I stared at it. Then Jessica said something no one had ever said to me before. It's not your fault, Jeffrey. I got up and walked to the bathroom. I had to. Anna. I never had a teacher stick up for me before. I'd get picked on and made fun of, and my teachers never did anything. Maybe because I never did anything either. I didn't cry or get upset. I just stayed quiet. Maybe it seemed like it didn't bother me, but nobody's got skin that thick. Mr. Tarrup did something. I loved him for that. He wasn't real happy about it, though. He wanted us to do the sticking up for each other. I didn't know if I could do that. But with Jessica and Danielle by my side, I knew I'd try. Mr. Tarrup was right about that. Things were much easier in our group after the whole Alexia incident. She came back quiet and remained quiet for the rest of the day, and every day after that. I knew she was feeling bad. A lot of girls had felt the same way because of her, so I figured it was only fair. But it bothered me, too. Mom has always told me, We don't have enough days to waste being upset or sad. You've got to be happy and have fun, Anna. I think Mom's positive attitude is pretty amazing, especially after all she's been through. And I think she's right. We weren't mean to Alexia, but we left her alone. I hoped she'd be different now that Mr. Tarrupt had held a conference with her. During the time we worked on our center, I found the courage to do something I hadn't ever done before. One day during recess, while doing some stick sketching in the dirt, I took a deep breath and plunged ahead. Would you guys like to come over to my house for a playdate? I asked Jessica and Danielle. Jessica looked up. I'd love to, she said. She glanced at Danielle, who kept her head down and continued sketching. Danielle's really good at drawing, so I thought maybe she just wanted to finish her sketch. Snap. Her stick broke in half. But I'll have to check with my mom first, Jessica added. Me too, Danielle said but she still didn't look up. Let me ask my mom. You don't have to come over if you don't want to, I said to Danielle. No, I want to, she said, looking right at me this time. I believed her. Then she looked away, but I need to get permission. The recess whistle blew. Danielle had drawn three girls holding hands in the dirt. I smiled. They both wanted to come over. I just hope their mothers said yes. Danielle. The Holiday Centers turned out great. It was a lot of hard work, especially with Alexia in our group. But Mr. Tarrup took care of her. She wasn't the same after that. She became real quiet, which helped us get our center put together smoothly. Jessica and Jeffrey completed the trivia game. They came up with some really great questions— Luke loved playing it when he visited our holiday. He said he learned a lot from it, which Mr. Tarrupt was happy to hear. Mr. Tarrupt hung around our center because of the cookies. I made them, even after what Alexia said about me. My mom and grandma helped me find a recipe that used cumin, which is a spice. 
The three of us spend a lot of time together in the kitchen. It was the perfect opportunity to ask about going to Anna's, but I just couldn't get myself to do it. The best part of our Holiday Center's day took place when our collaborative friends visited. That was Peter's great idea. Some of the games were hard for them, but we all helped. They were able to do the crafts and eat special foods, like my cookies. James liked our craft project where you had to cut thin strips of paper and staple rings together to make a long chain. The chain is a calendar to help you count down the days of Ramadan, which can be 29 or 30 days long. Our chain included way more links than that, because our guests kept adding them. 137, James said, after eyeing the chain for just a few seconds. Then he started adding more links. James really liked the surprise I had for him. I put together a collection of photographs of Middle Eastern farms and farming. He sat down and started talking about them and studying them. Seeing James like this made me happy. Jeffrey surprised us. Once Joey showed up, Jeffrey pulled out this little memory game that he had made, with pairs of matching cards with different Ramadan pictures on them. He and Joey played. It was a super wonderful day. Mr. Terrupt was smiling. So was I. Jessica Act 5, Scene 1 Hi, honey, how was school? Mom asked as I climbed into the car. Mom was great about giving me rides home whenever she could. Some kids, like Jeffrey, had to ride the bus every day. Mom's trying to get serious about her riding. She's already very skilled at it, having helped on some of Dad's plays back in California. But now she's riding for herself. That's why she's free in the afternoons to pick me up sometimes. We're lucky to have enough money so that my mom doesn't have to get a steady job right now. She can actually pursue her passion. I hope I can do that someday, too. Mom did get a part-time job at a local bookstore, so she can interact with people and keep her mind from wandering back to California. My mind still wanders back there, but not like it did a few months ago. My dad hasn't called again. School was fine, I said. I buckled my seatbelt and away we drove. Mom, you've heard me talk about Anna and Danielle, right? Yes. Is something wrong? Mom stepped on the brakes harder than usual and we jerked to a halt at the stop sign. I shook my head. Nothing's wrong, I said. I looked my way. Coast is clear. Mom eased off the brakes. Anna asked Danielle and me over to her house. That's great, Jessica, Mom said. Yes, but I know Danielle won't be going. How do you know that? I filled Mom in on what I knew about Anna's mother, and I explained why Danielle's mom wouldn't allow Danielle to associate with the likes of Anna. Mom turned right onto our road. Well, I'm not going to say no just because Anna's mother made a mistake once. We pulled into our driveway and Mom put the car in park. If Danielle is a nice girl, I bet her mother is too, Mom said. But we'll make up our own minds about what kind of person Anna's mother really is. Dad made a mistake. You didn't want to give him another chance, I said. Your father didn't want another chance, Mom said. He made that clear before we left. She paused. The divorce papers came today. I sat all quiet. Mom's bluntness really zapped me. I'm sorry, honey, Mom said. 
I'm sure your father will call soon. I shrugged. You don't need to lie to make me feel better. Okay, you're right. She sighed. I've always been honest and upfront with you. Another sigh. I don't know if he'll call. 